All right, we're back. Third week somehow. I don't know how we made it this far and how we've been consistent enough to stay with it. But Will is with me, as always. Well, for now. For you. What do you tell the people what you're drinking this time? All right, today we actually got a reasonable drink. Uh, we were working with a mediocre margarita, is, is what I would describe it as. Better than the last two weeks. This is the best of the three. I'll be honest, on a scale from like one to two watermelon vodka. It's probably like a lot better than a watermelon vodka, so it's not even really on the scale. All right, perfect. So that's a good start. But um, so today's kind of special. It's a little different. We're we're finally working towards what uh, is realistically going to be our, our situation for the next several months. Um, our other two roommates are back temporarily. They've got uh, some things going on in the next few weeks, but they'll be back getting ready for the semester to start here um, next weekend. And um, these two clowns are going to be around for a majority of the semester. And uh, you're, you're probably going to get a chance to hear from them at some point. I don't know what they're going to have to say, but we'll see. Yeah, they're probably going to chime in at some point during this. Maybe not. We'll see what happens. Um, but we also have another very special guest who you could say is technically our, our first guest um, this, this far along in the podcast. And uh, it's Liam. Liam went to college with us as well. Uh, he has since graduated this past May and is going to be going to Colorado for grad school. And Liam kind of has a unique story that kind of fits the theme of this podcast. Um, he's kind of known the direction of things as far as his studies and kind of what he wants to pursue for, for quite an extended period of time now. And I just think that he's a good person to have on and, and kind of pick his brain about, um, you know, how he came to decide that he was going to do what it is that he does. And, and I'll, I'll let him kind of speak to that. And, and I don't want to speak for him too much, but just kind of getting into giving him a, a somewhat of an introduction but um yeah so liam if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself you can go ahead and hello pete do that how you doing great yeah it's, i'm really happy to be here it's it's good to have you back this is potentially the last time we're going to see you for quite some time which is unfortunate months. but yeah. um i know you said you might be coming back to rochester at the end of the semester and we get together and do some drinking oh yeah like normal as we usually do as we usually do so um i'm, I'm glad you're on and um we can go ahead and get into it, I guess. So yeah. you, like I said, kind of have a somewhat of a unique story that um, I think really fits fits the theme of this whole thing well. You, for a while, have known what you've wanted to do with your life and how you kind of wanted to shape things probably quite a bit longer than most people can say that they had it, especially in our, our age range, I guess. Um, and, you know, if you kind of want to speak to that and – you can go into as much depth as you want to with it. You don't have to get you know too specific about anything. But um, yeah, turn it over to you. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I I would I'd agree with the sentiment. I feel very lucky to kind of had had have quite a direction. I'd say dating back to like sophomore year of high school, right? Um, I studied chemistry. That's what I'm going to pursue in graduate school as well. Um, and you know, I I kind of as soon as that first you know, page of the textbook in the high school chemistry class knew this is exactly what I wanted to do. As soon as I found out that there's a group of people out there that are working daily to play with these atoms and these molecules to basically engineer everything that you see around us in terms of commercial goods, um, I wanted to join them. So I think that I feel pretty lucky that I've had such a strong calling um, up through now, and uh, I hope to continue and follow that passion for quite a while. That's awesome. And so, like I said before, Liam went to school with us um, in Rochester, and um, you're not done, right? Not yet. You, you no, no, I 
quite a, in fact, like halfway, right? I got another five <laughs> years or so. So I forget, actually. Are you going for your PhD? It'll be the PhD, yep. Oh Mr. Doctorate. Oh, my God. So how many years in total in just college well, will that be? Yeah, so obviously four for the bachelors. And right. um, PhDs are interesting. They It's not a one-size-fits-all type of thing, um, whether it be the classes or the research or even what that research might look like. And that kind of dictates how long you're going to be there. So it's usually about a year of classes. Um, people think when I say, oh, I'm going to grad school, it's going to take another five years or so that I'm going to be back in a classroom for all of that time. But it, it's it's not it's not quite like that. You um, take classes for about a year, sometimes two, and then usually it's just, it turns into a full-time research job. So you're going into the lab, you're working on an original research project, and I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine anything I'd rather be doing. So it might take four years. It might take six. Usually it takes people about five, but um, I'm along for the ride at this point. Yeah, it sounds like you really are kind of, whatever ends up happening happens, and yeah. you're content with that, which is a good mindset to have about it, in, in my opinion. And for you, this means that you can still kind of fuck around and have a good time. Still. Absolutely. And that's, you know, I'm really looking forward to it being back at, you know, a large state school and uh, having the chance to do exactly what I want to do during the day and nights. I think it's it's going to be a recipe for a great time. So you don't have to say exactly where you're going to be, but, you know, you're obviously more familiar with where you're going to end up than I am. And kind of what is what is like the social setting of this area? Like, do you know too much about it yet? Is there any place yeah, that's so like... I'm looking to kind of explore it. Um, I went out and visited back in March, found a great group of guys that are actually going to attend, you know, with me. We're in the same program, same chemistry. We can say Colorado, right? Yeah, Colorado. Yeah. And um, it's it's pretty much an awesome vibe out there. People are very easygoing. Um, It's it's a free living place. And you could say that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's, that's awesome. And I'm I'm very happy for you that you're going to be able to keep kind of having a good time, but also pursuing something that you're really passionate about. Um, I know for the rest of us that are sitting here right now, um, that window is closing very quickly. Uh, Will has a semester left. Uh, I have a year left. My other roommate, um, I don't know if he wants me to share his name or not. So I'll just, I'm not going to say anything right now, but he might have a semester and like one class the following semester left and then uh, the fourth was going to be here for a year as well so that window like i said for all of us is closing and we, we're going to have to get the best of it so this semester uh we're going to have to get after it but um it might be a little different with the whole covid thing i don't know i don't know how that's going to play out hopefully uh hopefully it lasts long enough for us to be able to take classes in person because honestly online classes were terrible and we talked about this in previous episodes but if we have to do this for a a full semester i really can't imagine how terrible it's going to be for us yeah absolutely i mean but you know what they say what do they say live fast eat ass heard it first here um so we'll we'll give the mic back to liam thanks will Because that's what, that's about all you're going to get from Will, I guess, in this episode. That's all you, you need, right? Yeah, that's all we really need. We just need some fillers here and there. But, um, yeah, so Colorado, and you're actually uh, going tomorrow. You're going to yeah, continue man. the drive from New York. and On the drive, cross country, two th- uh, two-thirds, three-fourths of the way from Boston, you know, where I, where I was born and raised. And um, I, I just want to touch on what you just said. I really sympathize for you guys with um, the whole COVID situation. And obviously, I'll be encountering similar similar obstacles in my first semester there. Um, hopefully, it doesn't last much longer than that. But, uh, you know, I'll still be in school and have that social college life setting for years after. But you guys, I mean, 
real life is approaching faster than you know it and it's uh it kind of really sucks it's fucking crazy this way it's i mean so i'm in a position now where like and especially will is too where you know looking at job openings yep all the listings that are available trying to start thinking about like where am i going to live maybe maybe looking into somewhere that you'd like to be that's close to whatever you know city or location you end up at um but what do you have something to say will I mean, I think it's a huge decision and definitely something to think about. Like, yeah, I mean, when so many, so many different variables when it comes to actually choosing somewhere to live, it's crazy. Right. And there's no other point in our lives up to this point where you've really had to like think about that on your own. I mean, for college, yes, but it's not the same really at all. Yeah. I mean, like for me personally, like I had said earlier, like I kind of chose what made sense economically for me, but like, I guess maybe that will come into play once I have job offers and things along those lines. But Right now, you know, you're, it, it's an open canvas for, I mean, I'm not really looking abroad, so I guess it's not completely open, but at the same time, like, anywhere in the U.S. is a, is a lot of places with yeah. a lot of different environments and a lot of different landscapes, and it's just kind of kind of tough to narrow down what you actually want, and it's takes some self-reflection, I guess. I would definitely say it's a bittersweet kind of thing, you know, because... Obviously, it's the next chapter of your life. You get a chance to start making money and, you know, doing whatever it is that you want to do. And, you know, you're not locked into four years of school or whatever it may be. But then again, like you're walking away from what like a lot of people would consider college like some of the most fun times that they've ever had. Mm-hmm. So, like, just just kind of thinking about that and reflecting upon what all the things we've done in the last four or five years now, it's kind of like, fuck. Yeah, it's absolutely. like the blink of an eye. It's like here we are towards the end. Absolutely. And I think like I definitely I wouldn't say I have that much affinity towards Rochester itself, but right. I have I don't affinity either. towards towards the people I've met and people I've come For to sure. have amazing times with. And so it's it's tough to leave them too, you know. So I'll hand it back over to Liam. Um so you know, obviously it's gonna be a big transition for you coming up here, but where do you see yourself, I guess, in the next, you know, five to 10 years finishing up grad school and, Oh fuck. Well, I can tell you five. Okay. Let's finishing start with grad that. school. Um, after that, I mean, I haven't even begun to entertain as well was just saying all the opportunities that come with really starting a career and launching yourself somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I can imagine what that might look like, what I might want it to. Um, I definitely, you know, going for the PhDs of a whole bunch of research experience. I'm, geared towards the research career right becoming a some sort of senior director of r&d at some company right that's the end goal um but where and when that might be you know only time will tell good enough for now i mean there's i mean even just reflecting on the last four or five years that we've been here the direction of everybody's lives has changed so much so unpredictable and that's the thing is like you could set some sort of plan today that mm-hmm. you have even a year from now and it's not going to look anything like what you thought it might. Yep. So, I mean, nobody expected to be stuck at home for right? four months. Yeah, that's the, that's the perfect example, right? This is something completely out of left field. Yeah, and that's, again, part of the reason that we finally decided to do this is like there's not really going to be a better time to just kind of say fuck it and start it. Yeah. So, you know, with, with things like that, it's it's just – it's good to set goals and it's good to set like some sort of plan for the future. But it's also, I, I think it's really important to be, you know, 
almost even more important to be really flexible with how things go and not necessarily expect things to go exactly how you, you plan them. And, and I feel like a lot of people will get really upset or, or really bothered by the fact that, you know, my plan didn't play out exactly how I wanted it to. And that's just a, a, a negative way of looking at it. And I think that if you're more open-minded and just kind of go with the flow, it's kind of a hippie, yeah. hipster way to say it. But realistically, though, if you think about it, you know, just kind of going with things as they happen and, and being open to trying new things and, you know, meeting new people and whatever it may be, I think is a very important thing for people to, to consider, especially going into a stage like yourself where there's going to be a lot of unknown. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, in my opinion, the best the best approach because no, you never know what can come of it. Absolutely. And I think that that, that kind of plays into how I would characterize myself. And, and one thing that's been kind of really instrumental in my, you know, worldview and, and the way that I approach my life and wrote with the punches and such is just accepting what is and is not in your control, right? Absolutely. People that you meet, who you surround yourself with, um, you know, how you treat yourself physically, mentally, these are things that you, you can control, but there's so many other var variables. Um, that you encounter every day that, it, you know, you have to understand that this is out of your control and the less that you wrestle with it, the more that you just roll with it. Um, I, I find, at least in my experience, the happier you'll be. Absolutely. And for me personally, this is not something I could have ever said four years ago when I first came to college. Yeah, I was very much, everything had to be perfect in my mind, exactly how I planned it out. If it didn't go according to plan, it would really bother me, stress me out. And, you know, just, just being able to kind of, expand my knowledge and expand so whatever reason uh for whatever reason the mic just cut out so we're gonna get back into what we were talking about but um basically as i was saying you know I, i'm at a point now where i've become a lot more open to just kind of like going with the flow of things and as i said before i was the kind of person that would always have to plan out like a trip or you know really like to plan out what i'm doing for the day or for the week whatever it may be and for some people that's very effective and it's kind of like establishing a routine, which I think is also important, but I think there's also a good balance as far as creating some sort of routine for yourself, but not being so strict to it that you can't be, you, you know, you can't go and do something kind of sporadically exactly. as, as it pops up. Annuity, right? I mean, it's, it's, huge. it's really one of the, in my opinion, more enjoyable parts of life is some of the best times I've had are the decisions that, that were extremely last minute or, you know, that I did not see coming that I didn't even have control over. And, uh, I found myself just, you know, admitting that first, right. Yeah. You know, when something un unaccounted for pops up and, um, I'm trying to make the best of it. For me, those are definitely some of the memories that, um, you know, some of the most fun experiences I've had yep. when it's like, Hey, do you want to go do this? And you get like 24 hours notice. And it's like, well, I got, I got this going on and I have this thing to worry or about. Or even do you want this next tequila shot, right? Exactly. It sounds like uh, foreshadowing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think um, there's, there's a lot of value in having a, a good blend of the two things. Right. Because, yeah. you know, if you don't have any sort of routine at all or any sort of plan for your day, for your month, what it is you're trying to accomplish, it's going to be very easy to just waste, waste a lot of time and you know, not be productive if you have no sense of direction and as far as where you're going. Right. I, I find for myself, just as you touched on productivity, that kind of allowing myself to have times that will be strictly non-productive 
um, allows me to be much more productive in the times where I need to be. So I give myself time on the weekends to do what I need to get done and everything. But then I also make sure to schedule time specifically for doing things outside of school, outside of my regular responsibilities, whether that be, you know, maintaining social relationships or honestly doing whatever the fuck I want. Right. Right. That's a really important outlet that I think a lot of people, as you were saying, those who do try to maintain extremely strict routines or do try to overmanage themselves, um, can kind of fall into a trap where they're slipping in productivity because they're not giving themselves that outlet. Mm -hmm. I think that's very important too. And Will and I talked about this last, last episode, but like some of the emphasis that you can put on, like the value that there is in going out, having a good time with your friends, having too many drinks, yeah. you know, making mistakes it's, it's is part very of, important. You know, just college, but life experience, right? Like having those those decisions where, you know, it might not be the decisions your parents would make for you, <laughs> but that are going to be really instrumental in you becoming a good parent someday, right? Like you need that experience. It's, right. It's good for you. Well, well, it's two cents here. Yeah, I mean, like, the way I look at it is is always networking, you know? I've I've gotten fucked up with kids who work at Google. I've gotten fucked up with kids who work at Microsoft. Basically any any big company that you can name, probably gotten drunk with them. And so here's the thing. At the end of the day, I'm probably more likely to reach out to one of those kids and be like, "Hey man, like what's going on? What's what's up with you?" And that can that can have some fruits in the end of the day. And That's true. So yeah. drinking drinking with uh High intensity people who are who are likely to achieve big things always a good call. Have some high profile friends in your life, absolutely. And I I find personally that those people are more fun to drink with, right? They when you come from that high stress, high pr- productive work style, um, usually you know work hard, play hard. That's a saying for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. I <laughs> I agree with that. And you know, <laughs> it's it's funny that Will Will brings that back up because. It's, I can think of a lot of people that I've had the chance to meet in my undergraduate time that, you know, that have since graduated and they are going on to work for pretty prolific companies. Like they're no joke organizations and just to be able to have some of those contacts, you never know when that might come in useful at some point. So what is Jason up there trying to make a margarita or something and fuck with me? I'll take one more. Huh? Left me some cab fare. Oh, boy! What a nice guy. I, I didn't plan on paying him at all. Yeah, you can take whatever you want. Yeah, please. If you make Mars, I'll, I'll take one more. <laughs> but uh, yeah, for sure. Like just, just not necessarily closing any of those doors on any of the connections that you made yeah. in college. Even undergrad, I think, is really important. Say yes. Say yes more. That's a. Oh. It's a big thing that I. You know, I came. I'd even say my freshman year. I was very focused, and and I, I there were fruits from that, right? I yeah. did extremely well academically. Can't and, relate, but hmm? I said can't relate, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, learning to say yes and and push yourself out of that comfort zone, whether it be socially or in the other direction, you know, saying yes to academic challenges, right? Just pushing yourself and and letting yourself surprise yourself has been, um, you know, pretty instrumental in my own experience. Now, in the experience that you and I have had in just to kind of preface this, you and I actually haven't been what I would consider that close for that long a time. I would say within the last year Absolutely. or so, probably, um, we've gotten a lot closer, um, hung out a lot over the course of this last year, last semester. And um, in the time that we've gotten you know, closer as friends, whatever you want to call it, um, I would say that you are probably one of the most open-minded people 
um, that I've ever met, honestly. And, you know, I can kind of tell this in just kind of a conversation that we have about anything. You're very thoughtful about whatever kind of thing that we may be discussing. And um, I just, I'm just curious if that's like, have you always been that way? Like, you're very good at presenting uh, an opposition to whatever argument somebody may have. Sure. And playing, playing the other side of really anything. Yeah. And, you know, as far as being <clears throat> capable of having some sort of intellectual conversation that I feel like a lot of people can't or aren't willing to or don't have any interest in. Like, have you always been that way? You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, no, I, mean, I, I got you. I mean, I'd say, yeah, I'd say that in it and you touched on it perfectly, I think, in, in the it's not necessarily capability. I think it's just more interest, right? It's being willing to pay attention to the world around you and think critically, right? Take in new information, synthesize that with the information that you already have and and output an opinion, right? And I think that a lot of people just frankly aren't interested in doing that. They like to hear what other people have have to say. And somewhere along the way, they're not able to then express themselves in that same light. And I think that being able to do that really I found in myself comes from um, truly being comfortable and confident in, mm-hmm. in what I'm saying, right? Like learning that you might disagree with me. Other people might hear me and not have, like what I have to say, but that doesn't really matter. And right. having the confidence to just say what I think and, and speak my mind truly and honestly, I think it leads to that type of intelligent and open discourse that I think that a lot of people wish they could have, but maybe do get stifled um, in the process of achieving through that, maybe it's self-consciousness or maybe it is, um, not having spent enough time to really form the opinion that they would want to share with people. Yeah, for sure. And I think for you specifically, you know, you're very passionate about your academics, you know, what it is you plan to pursue as a career. And regardless of what other people have to say about it, you've always been true to that. You know, in the short time, well, I've, I mean, I've known you for a while, but in the short time that we've been close, mm-hmm. you are unapologetic about the things that you're passionate about. And, you know, you, you stick to you stick to your guns, basically. And you don't really give a fuck what anybody else has to say <laughs> about it, which, again, though, a lot of people I feel like are not like that. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think a lot of people should try and aspire to be more like. There's a lot of value in that. And a lot of people will they won't pursue something or they'll, they'll come up short and they'll, they'll stop even you know trying to start something because somebody else says oh well that's stupid like Mm -hmm. i don't i think that's dumb you're wasting your time doing that like yeah well i would i would implore those people to you know sit down and really take a hard look at what matters to you right like Mm -hmm. who is the person that you want to be in this world and stop at nothing to be them right i mean as far as we know all the evidence points to the fact that this is it right in as much as many of us would love to think that there's something after other things that happen, right? You know, that this isn't the end, right? Live like it is, even if it's not. And I think that you'll find yourself living with much more meaning, being much more present. And, um, you know, we're only getting older. There's, there's <laughs> no chance to go back and, and be that guy 10 years from now. Just do it today. Absolutely. So aside from all this kind of hippie spiritual <laughs> shit, Absolutely. we're talking, um, Another thing that I kind of want to dive into is um, the gym. So oh, you yeah. were able to spend your last month back home. Last month, I'd say, right? Um, yeah, I think I think about 
very end of June, maybe the 29th, something like that. Right. So you were back in Massachusetts, back home. And, you know, obviously in New York, we haven't been able to be in a public gym for four and a half months now. Poor bastards. Yeah, it's terrible. And I'm kind of surprised, honestly, that Massachusetts being as close as it is to New York. And I'm pretty sure at one point, you know, Boston was a pretty, pretty hot, pretty big hot spot for the virus. Yep. And now you guys are in a position where you've been able to go to public gyms and we're still not able to do that. So I'm just kind of curious, like what it's like, like how yeah. things changed. No, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's weird, right? I mean, before diving into the specifics, just at face value, I, I agree that it's weird that here in Massachusetts, maybe arguably more liberal state than New York collectively, um, these gyms would be open sooner. Right. And, uh, our bars aren't right here, bars, internal, internal dining and stuff. That's fair game. But, um, so are your restaurants not open? Like not to the capacity that they are only here? just recently, the gyms were open before inside dining was a thing. Yeah. Wow. No, that's kind of, I've, I've had the same reaction. Mind blowing, honestly. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's been strange. You, um, obviously have to wear a mask, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is whatever. Yeah, right? Everyone was pretty cognizant of that at first. Now you've had, you know, the chin strappers and, you know, people people are becoming a little more lax, especially on, in the cardio sections and so forth. Um, the only real time that I've had any trouble with it, you know, I, I don't care. I'll wear the thing. It's it's. I feel a little safer wearing it. I know that it makes other people safer, and uh, it's not that big a deal. But um, definitely squatting. First time back, I was seeing stars after, like, the second rep. <laughs> and it was like, wow, I can't breathe. Um but I, you know what? And I, I implore people to look at this, look at it the same way. Those real badass motherfuckers train with like the oxygen deprivation masks. We anyway. talked about this yeah, last dude, week. Yeah, just do it. Just, uh, just be that guy, right? Look at it as a challenge, rise to the challenge, become more oxygen efficient. And, um, honestly, you know, you're just increasing how efficient your training is, you know, adding that extra layer. It's funny <laughs> you say that. Cause Will and I were literally just talking shit about it the whole like the whole time last episode we touched on this we were just talking shit about all those people that wear like the oxygen deprivation masks uh-huh. and shit in the gym like they're doing curls or something really stupid that's like you should no, usually wear. usually the guys that don't know what they're doing but like you have those extreme athletes who like it, i mean you know if you want to perform athletically right like o2 resistance training is um is a good way to approach it and now everyone's doing it so we'll see. Maybe you'll come out even stronger, even uh, get that cardio a little better than it might have been otherwise. Nobody wants to do the cardio, but I mean, if, if you're going to do it now with the mask on, could prove to be more beneficial than at any other time you've ever done it. That's so that's one positive way to look at it. <laughs> so are is there a capacity then at the gyms? Is um, that- no, not at the one that I've been to. And I, I do, I've talked to a few of the friends who are at other facilities where they are doing things a little differently. Um, really the only difference is the masks and then they are being, you know, much more strict in terms of wiping things down, providing not just paper towels and, and basic sanitizer, but you know, um, it seems like a little more antibacterial wipes and stuff like that. And, um, some facilities like the showers and stuff stay closed. I'm fucking so pissed. But honestly. all of that is well worth it to go in and get a pump that really cannot at home. I appreciate you that rubbing that in. So, uh, Peter. Yeah, what's up? Uh, do you like fitness? Fitness. Yeah. Fitness. Uh, fitness dick in your mouth? That's all I got. All right. Perfect. And so that is and one of potentially Mr. many uh, instances of 
one of the two kind of wastes of space in this room <laughs> to chime in during during this episode, uh, during several podcasts to come. Uh, that was well. I mean, since he decided to to say that, I'm just gonna say his name. That was that was Jason. So now you know three fourths of of the home here, and that's a, a pretty good way to for him to introduce himself because really you're not gonna about- get much more than that out of him. That's basically how every interaction with him is going to go moving forward. It's going to be like, you're probably going to lose a couple brain cells when he speaks. So just be prepared for that. If you can't handle that moving forward, this isn't the podcast for you. But anyway, diving back into the gyms with Liam, um, incredibly jealous that you're able to do this. And I think, uh, you know, for us, I don't know if you've really paid attention, but on campus, there's no really window for when things might open back up. Um, you know, I realistically don't think it probably will open at all this semester. And I'm in the position as as well as probably many other people that take it somewhat seriously that the first gym that opens, I am going to go and get a membership, regardless of how expensive it is, regardless of what kind of rules you might have to follow that are a pain in the ass. To me, it's going to be worth it because working out on the back porch is only going to get you so far. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that, um, yeah, I would be shocked if, if the college gyms opened, um, seeing as athletics and things are being delayed and so yeah. forth. It, it, I would be shocked if they opened. Um, that said, I, I, I think that a lot of people are in the exact same boat, right? Scouring the Facebook page openings and, and all of the above for just the first chance to get back at a rack of freeways. And I know I was the exact same way. I'm going now to a gym that I have never been to before, right? Like my usual gym stayed closed a little longer. And even they were opening on a Wednesday and this one opened on a Monday. And so I went in that Monday, bought a membership at this gym that I'd never been to. That's 10 minutes further away because Mm. that's just what it's like. You know, you've been away from it for this long. I think that not only physically, you know, do you suffer, but mentally, I mean, for me, half of the, half the reason I lift is the stress reduction and just, hundred percent. yeah, it's, it's, it's a way of life. That discipline that you get under the bar, um, transitions into so many other things in life. And, uh, without it, I could really feel myself slipping in those areas that it had helped me progress in. For sure. I know for me, like, again, and we said this previously that we're pretty fortunate to be able to have some of the equipment that we do here and be able to still stay active. But at some point, you know, not having that, consistency every day you're looking forward to it if you have a shitty day you can go you know lift try and relieve some stress whatever it may be even go and fucking shoot hoops like these other two ass clowns do on a regular basis but seriously though like that is a time of your day that you're not concerned about all the other shit that you have to do all the other things that you have to worry about and not being able to have that for so many people i can only imagine you know that certain people that don't have access to any of this sort of equipment or any of these facilities or don't have a a basketball hoop that they can go and just, you know, play pickup games on or just shoot hoops by themselves. I can only imagine what it's been like over these last four months for them. I mean, they don't have to work, most of them, thank God. But, uh oh, here comes number two. I just wanted to say, uh, speaking of basketball, if any of the listeners out there know uh, where to find any free NBA streams now that Reddit's been shut down, uh, just uh, Wait, did it actually? Just email Pete. Uh, Reddit NBA streams has been shut down since since when? Uh, since, has it been a while? Since like last year, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Well, all the other sports are working. Uh, well, yeah. So if anybody out there uh, knows a website for basketball, uh, just uh, send yeah. Pete a message. Send me, hit me up. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Grandma Streams. Yeah, you can't you can't get it on Grandma Streams. It doesn't work on Grandma Streams or Buff Stream. I don't think so. Well, that's fucking horseshit. 
Um, I do just want to take a second to, to kind of divulge back into what you were saying about, you know, the benefits of, of strength training and of, of weightlifting in general, right? I mean, as you were saying, I, I like to think some people might call it an escape, but I think about it as uh, one of those activities that demands presence. So you have no choice to think about that car payment or that exam that's coming up or the girl that's ghosting you when you have a couple <laughs> hundred pounds on your back, right? That's you're, you're there, you're in the moment and nothing else matters because it can't, right? Yeah. If it does, guess what? Like your back's about to break. So yeah. you better be there. You better be focused. And I think that having that mental break from, you know, any of those ailments um, is absolutely necessary. And I think you've seen, I would say in myself, and I, I think that most people would agree, substantial, you know, mental health um, side effects from not going to the gym regularly. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's not only breaking routine for many people, but you're missing out on that, that stress release. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things. It's like, what do you, there's nothing you can do really. It's there's, I mean, you can go out and run. You can do push-ups until you can't, but right. But that can only last for so long. Exactly. I mean, there's some people that are, can get creative with it and, you know, use this as an incline or use that as, you know, some sort of decline, whatever it may be. But after doing that for four months, it's like, you're going fucking insane. And it's like yep. to the point where you don't even give a shit. You don't care anymore. You don't want to do it. And a lot of people are in this same scenario. As well as the lack of equipment, it's also a loss of, of that social aspect, right? I mean, you and I, I think, pretty much met through the gym besides having mutual friends. Yeah, more or less. Yeah, and I think that, you know, there's great friendships that are formed through iron and that um, having your gym bros... All-time quote right there. Yeah. All-time quote. We got to save that. <laughs> there's... Uh, there's real value to the people that you see there who you know have that same mindset as you who are in there grinding day in and day out. Um, and that, you know, that's motivation. You know, people might say it's not. People might say they have their headphones in and they don't care. They don't notice people around them. But I know I feed off of it. Yeah. I know most people do. For and sure. that's, you're right. That's not the same when you're doing sit-ups in your living room till 9 a.m. Right. And now that you say having your headphones in, trying to ignore certain people. There's definitely some people that you put your headphones in to ignore in the gym. hundred <laughs> percent. I could think of way too many people uh-huh. off the top of my head. Yeah, I mean, the music, than, that's just half the feature, right? The rest is keeping people away from you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can't, and it's, it's different too, because the dynamic of our school is so much different than most universities. And some of the social cues that you think would exist with most people just are not present. Completely absent. <laughs> Exactly. Like some people say, I can think of a few scenarios that I've been in the gym on campus and I have my headphones in and I'm clearly like, you know, working pretty hard. I'm listening. I'm rocking out to my music. I'm kind of like in the zone and certain individuals will come up to me while I'm just standing there and just like wait for me to say something to to them, like acknowledge that they're standing right there. And it's like, I'm clearly not in a state right now where I want to have any sort of dialogue with you. And you would think people would understand that. Shout out. Jesus. Hopefully you, I didn't you get would think <laughs> you would think people would start to get to a point to where it's obvious. Right, but like some hint. of the individuals at our, our college are like they just don't think like that. No. Yeah. I, I can definitely relate. Um, probably to the to the exact same individuals that are coming to mind for you. I think that um, <laughs> you know, it's it's almost part of the charm, but it's uh, 
I've, I've, <laughs> I've been in similar situations where you wish they could just understand you're here to lift and a quick high is fine, but that you're not here to discuss the finer details of aerostatic society. And then there's, there's some people that will spend, in my opinion, way too much time there. But, you know, if you're training for a specific goal that requires you to spend, you know, a lot more time between sets, that's one thing. But if it's social hour for you, I mean, I know for me, it, it can bother me at times. And I mean, I guess it really shouldn't because unless they're using some sort of equipment that I need to use, it's really not of a concern to me. But just kind of seeing that during during while you're trying to train and just seeing people kind of like circle up in, in one area is like, what are you here to do? No, exactly. I mean, I think what you're what you're alluding to and what you're touching, what you're tapping on here is um, the fact that for some people, I mean, you and I, I would say, are both pretty satisfied with our social lives outside of the gym. But for some for people sure. where that's more absent, that is their chance for that socialization. And and they don't necessarily come in, get their quick lift on, and then go hang out with their bros. Like, that, that's, yeah. that's all they have. So as, as frustrating as it can be, I kind of empathize with them. Um, but I... I wish that they would recognize that that's the case yeah, and, uh, and kind of respect it. No, that's definitely a good perspective because realistically, I haven't really thought of it that way. And, you know, for some people, it brings a lot more. It's a lot more than just relieving stress. I guess everybody has their own kind of opinion mindset when they go into the gym as far as what their goals are and what they're looking for, what they're trying to get out of it. And for some people, it can be more of a social thing. You know, I can't necessarily relate to that really at all, but <laughs> I'm not everybody. So, and I think, I think like a lot of people, you know, in our, in our social circle would probably say the same thing, but we're not everybody else. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of also important to be mindful of, I guess, to, to a certain extent, as long as you're not hogging whatever machine I need to use. Yeah. No, it's interesting because this, this has larger, like large scale social implications, right? Like not only you take this, all right, let's take this idea, right? This concept and abstract that to larger society, right? So you're just thinking about how do different people approach these different interactions in the same way that you might based on your, whether it be social life, like we've just been talking about, but also mm-hmm. your upbringing, all of these different factors that have formed you into the person that you are interact with the person at the supermarket versus someone else. And I think that to really go deep here, that's, that's kind of a large explanation for, I think the split that we're seeing in American politics today. I think that you have people who assume that we have all been exposed to the same information set, the same data set and drawn mm-hmm. different conclusions, right? The, the other, you know, we think are irrational right. or illogical, but that that's, it's under false pretenses, assuming that everyone's had, has even been exposed to the same information as you have. And, um, I think that, I mean, this goes back to like a much more abstract concept that like, if I had gone through life in the exact same way that you have and experienced the things that you did, that I would be you. Right. These, right. these ideas that I've come up with um, as a product of my experiences and you've come up with as a product of yours, I can't, we can't fault each other as much as I think that we do today. Right. That's that. I mean, you bring up a very good point and I didn't and plan on getting into politics, but without trying to make this too political of a conversation, I think it's come to a point today where everything is so polarized. Absolutely. Nobody can see, you know, if you're Republican you can't empathize with anybody on the other side. If you're a liberal or Democrat, you can't agree with anything that anybody on the other side is saying. And personally, that's kind of driven me to not really even care so much. And that's not necessarily the best approach that I think we should have as individuals in this country who you know have the right to vote and you should 
go out and vote, although the system might be fucked up and really make no sense at all. It really is. Like, it's your right to do that, and there's a lot of places that don't have the ability to do that. But on a, on a larger note, I think that, especially with all this shit going on right now, you know, with the virus and sort of social injustice, a lot of these issues aren't political at all in nature, and everybody's finding a way to politicize them. Yep. And that's what's just kind of tearing everything apart and nobody can agree on fucking anything, mm-hmm. which is insane. It's like when you're trying to come up with a solution for a virus <laughs> that's basically shut things down for in a, in a way in which none of us will probably ever see again in our lifetime, mm-hmm. hopefully. And that's because it's, people want to politicize it. So what are we, what are we doing here? What's more important? Yeah. And it seems like people's political agendas have become more important than trying to figure this shit out, which is crazy to me. But no, that's just absolutely. kind of a reality of the situation that we're in right now. It's um, it's it's a little frightening. Um, I completely agree. Jan's happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just it's it's the truth is like you see all these people on social media that four months ago, you know, weren't didn't have a voice on either side in it and now you know a spark has been ignited and all of a sudden not to say one side is right or you know any one idea or any way of thinking is better than the other but it's gotten to a point now to where nobody can agree on anything Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how big or small of an issue it is it doesn't matter what it's related to it doesn't matter if it has anything to do with the virus or social injustice or anything it's like no, it's tri- what are we it's doing tribalism here? i think that you know humans by nature have we pick teams and um we'll always find reasons to disagree with each other whether it's based on looks or based on beliefs as you're alluding to right now right and um i like to think about <laughs> kind of a funny thought like the actions that have led to all of this right like i mean think about the the tragic death of george floyd right and how everything that's led to that started with a cashier thinking, hmm, this $10 bill seems a little fishy, right? right? Like those very small actions, I mean, just have such large-scale implications. And it's um, it's really fascinating to see how such a thing, the precipice that we, we sit on as a society, that we are on the edge of like such chaos with stemming from such seemingly small actions. Right, and that whole situation that you're referring to, the whole George Floyd thing, like that should not be a political issue. No. It doesn't matter what color you are. Like, there was clearly a right and a wrong way to go about it, and it was completely taken the wrong way. It doesn't matter what your political beliefs are, mm-hmm. at all. Like that, it doesn't. I don't. I don't understand how people can try and find ways to say, you know, well, this doesn't align with my beliefs, and the way it was handled doesn't, you know, align with with what the way I think and the way I was raised and the way I was brought up. It's like there is no situation regardless of really what the crime was or what it could have been in which that's an acceptable response by law enforcement at all. It doesn't matter what your political beliefs are and it, it shouldn't. Yeah. And I feel like most people should be able to say that, but um, people can't, but they miss the crazy yeah. thing. It's uh, we are living in, I want to say, you know, new times in that sense, you know, the age of the internet and, and having these, these echo chambers form online and such. But, um, it's, uh, It'd be an, yeah, TikTok. We're going to TikTok. We no. also talk about TikTok. God damn it! <laughs> well, it was nice, and that's probably the deepest we went so far in these three episodes. But we'll we'll just whispered uh, for those of you that couldn't hear going to TikTok. And so I see the connection. There, I, there is there is a connection. 
to some extent, but for months now, Liam has been referring to how corrupt and how there's a completely different agenda behind TikTok. Fuck TikTok. This was back until like the start of the year, like January timeframe. He was saying like, yo, do you know, like, do you know what's actually going on behind the scenes? I'm like, no, dude, I have no idea. I don't have an account. I don't pay attention to TikTok whatsoever. I don't care. And come to find out, what was it? Yesterday, Trump announced that uh, TikTok is going to be banned in the United States. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) So you're right. I've been following this for quite a while and it goes back to um, uh, an article I read months and months ago from a few software engineers that did not get nearly enough coverage or people just didn't care um, who kind of reverse engineered TikTok really looked into the data that it was collecting on people's phones and um, the you know most people I mean who reads terms and conditions nowadays I don't nobody does. right you, you've already decided you want to use this service you know that that's the barrier to access for the service. No one's right. going to at that point decide, you know what, actually clause 37, I, I can't agree with this. I'm going to not download this. Right. So most people never see what's actually in those things. Um, but further than that, you never see what's actually behind the scenes in terms of the internal programming of most applications you download, right? Like it's one thing to put something in terms of service that you accept. And it's another thing to actually have nefarious uh, tasks being performed behind the scenes. So TikTok, these uh, software engineers discovered um, that they were tracking things such as location, right? Even when the app is closed, um, they were tracking keystrokes. They were tra- had access to almost all of the files stored on your device. Um, from the very beginning, it never met the um, criteria to be installed on any U.S. government devices, right? Um, no government employees were allowed to have them on their uh, public or personal phones, right? Um, and I think that obviously this is all stemming from the fact that this is a Chinese app funded by the Chinese government. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, I'm not going to claim to know what the intentions are, but I can just look at those objective facts and say that I personally wasn't comfortable with having my privacy breached like that. And that I thought that many people didn't even know that that was the case. And, um, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we've really seen it come full circle now where it is actually being banned from all the U.S. app stores. Right. And so with you saying that, I, I think it's safe to assume that you never entertain the idea of downloading one so you could watch TikTok dances. No, I mean, I've had friends send me TikTok links and there's been what I've I've audibly exhaled through my nose at a total of maybe three TikToks. And, <laughs> and uh, that just opens up in browser. I don't have to download the app. Um and yeah, I, I, no, I fuck TikTok, fuck privacy breaching. I, I'm completely for, you know, your data, your privacy. It's, it's your, I would like to see a lot more taken, a lot more actions taken to secure what you do on your phone, on your devices in your time. So would you say that this whole decision to go ahead and, and ban it from the United States is one of very few things that you've ever sort of kind of agreed with Trump on? Yeah, I mean, I think I've agreed with Trump on more than most people who are as possibly far left, as economically far left as I am, do. I think that as you were talking to, you know, as we were speaking to before about the partisanship and so forth, um, a lot of people don't give credit where it's due, right? Like, I agree with him on NAFTA. I agree that that was a horrible trade deal. I think that it did fuck American workers. But a lot of people, they pick a side and then they can't say anything good about anything that might happen on the other side. Um, but we we are entering, entering an interesting era of 
just like the way that this was done, right through executive order, which um, is we don't have always, to go there, but right. like it, it's it's an interesting aspect to look at. You know, this didn't come through Congress. This wasn't something that came to vote amongst the American people. This was one man, one decision, obviously with advisors. But that you know, that's an interesting power dynamic to look at. That you know, let's say it was a benign app. Can the president of the United States now decide that? He wants to ban Flappy Bird, you know, like <laughs> it, that, apparently we're setting that precedent, which is crazy to think about how essentially if a single individual in the country doesn't agree with something, regardless of whoever that person is in office, how if they are against it, mm-hmm. they can say, all right, we're shutting the shit down right yeah. now. No, I mean, like no other input love from or, anybody else. Love or hate Trump. And I guess this is more speaking to people that hate Trump. I would say that one one positive of this presidency in general, regardless of politics, is that maybe it is drawing people's attention to the executive branch and how much power it does have and, and it can kind of make us rethink about the way that our government is structured and, hey, should should one person be able to, to do this much? And the other thing that's crazy that I just kind of thought about, you know, as, as, you, as you said that, was this idea that, you know, however many, several hundreds of years ago, that the the country was founded and that all these initial documents were put in place to try and govern mm-hmm. us a lot of people you know more traditionally minded people will say that you know that's how it was intended and that's how it should stay but right. that's not how society works that's not that didn't necessarily account for all the changes that were going to occur in such a short amount of time i mean look and it's what, a it's literally a living breathing document in which amendments are meant to be added as time the, goes on the 1980s is when you know very basic computers really hit the scenes and then ever since then i mean look at what with moore's law the way that technology has advanced it's insane. it's it's these people who wrote i mean the founding fathers are it's somewhat they're held up as like omnipotent gods in a way right that they would have known everything forever and that their judgment is final and and you know i think that the the foundations and the principles that they laid out are absolutely you know something that we can aspire to there's some great stuff in there about liberties and so forth but that i think it is as you're saying very naive to assume that you know this should apply forever and that everything they said you know there's no need to go back and revise any of it right and how do you think individuals from way back then would have responded to a situation that we're seeing right now i bet you they'd mm-hmm. have no fucking idea yeah. what the best approach would be to go about this and, and some of the initial ideals that they thought to set up to govern a country would not even be close to relevant anymore absolutely and there has to be room and there has to be you know enough open-mindedness for people to take these things into consideration and potentially add or you know even subtract certain things that no longer apply and there's just no middle ground nobody can agree to even it's it's to the point now where nobody can even have a conversation forget about trying to pass any new sort of legislation Mm -hmm. you can't even put certain people that are on opposite political parties in a room together to have a a conversation about anything because it's you don't agree with me i hate you and i think some of that speaks to um most people actually not thinking things through for themselves, right? We talked earlier about critical thinking and synthesizing new opinions. And it's like, you know, if you, regardless of the conclusion you've come to, if you've thought it through and you're not just repeating narratives that you heard on cable news, you can, you know, actually sit down and talk to someone who you might disagree with and figure out, okay, like where, where do we disagree? What, at what point along the way to these differing conclusions 
are we on the same path and then where's the divergence mm-hmm. and um it, it's i think because some people haven't actually formed the opinions themselves they can't do that and other otherwise it's the fact that they aren't even willing to personally entertain anyone who thinks differently than they do and i think that's one of the great things about podcasts and and some of the other media now is that you you're seeing that people are willing to have these conversations right as far as maybe five years ago there wasn't as much content created by just your kind of average person who isn't necessarily involved with this company or that political affiliation or saying or supporting certain causes because the money is there Mm -hmm. right now you're seeing that there's a bunch of different outlets for people to express whatever it is that they believe and actually sit down and have conversations especially i mean you and i have really no business in in having any sort of you know, sway and in, in political opinion or yeah, we're or just what a bunch of, of dumb motherfuckers. Exactly. <laughs> but coming from somebody that myself, I would say was traditionally more conservative and you, I would say is probably traditionally more liberal. Sure. Like we're, we're still able to sit down and have some sort of civil yeah, dialogue. Cause we respect each other and we understand that these different conclusions um, are just that they're different conclusions. And that, that doesn't mean that you are, a better or worse person is the f- that you've maybe been presented with different information, have a different set of experiences and have come to think differently. But that doesn't mean that we can't change the way that each other thinks, you know, both for the better, right? We each have something to offer. We have different worldviews. And I think it's important that people recognize that as they, you know, navigate life in their own personal relationships. And the fact that every time you turn on the TV, now it's getting to a point to where it doesn't matter again, what political affiliation you are, mm-hmm regardless of what news channel you turn on it's so it's complete bullshit doesn't matter if it's cnn doesn't matter if it's fox news msnbc abc cbs you name it every single news organization has some sort of agenda a lot of it's influenced by money you know saying certain narratives that they're told to say it's like you have to you have Have, to have you seen that that sinclair um ad where they mm-hmm. linked up all of so Sinclair News is a um kind of an umbrella parent company for a lot of local news stations and it's 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 really creepy and really Orwellian to watch um there's a montage that someone like thank god noticed and came up with where they put 60 cable news stations local networks on you know the same youtube video tiled across the screen and they're repeating the exact same script all of them are owned by sinclair news and it really just shows you like how from top down information is decided on what will be disseminated disseminated and in what way um i'd encourage anyone listening to this to go search that search this is extremely dangerous for our democracy sinclair news and you'll find the video that i'm talking about Hmm. I no, I personally have not heard of that, but you're essentially describing exactly the way it works for most of these major news organizations and news outlets. It's like a lot of the people that are hired to speak on, on this show or this television series, they're not even really able to speak what they are true, like the way they truly feel. They're handed a script. A hundred percent, which is fucking insane. And, and the way that the American public eats this shit up is insane. And the other thing too is like nobody gives a shit about the positive things that are going on in the country. No, it doesn't Everybody sell. just consumes all the negative things. It doesn't sell. On. Think about positive headlines, right? You might read that and be like, oh, okay. But, you know, it's the negative ones that keep you up at night. It's the negative ones that get shared around. It's, have you seen this crazy shit? Oh, my God, look at this opinion, right? Like, those polarizing views are what generates interaction, and that's profitable. It's Will has something he wants to chime in on. And I think this actually plays into a conversation that Pete and I had a, a few days ago, and 
we're talking about social media and the use and so how a lot of people just end up resharing stories that they see or posts that they see and it nothing is actually original and we we talked about one girl who i mean she has an interest in eventually going to film casting or whatever things like that uh she wants to be on the news but she actually has original thoughts okay and we we both came to the conclusion that like hey like we definitely don't agree with everything she says but at the same time like at least what she's saying is original she's just not she's not just resharing things that she sees that's like oh kind of tease off on that and like get some false sense of i don't know social justice over resharing it it's like she actually has hey taking this subject she's critically thought about it and then she's put up her own thoughts on her instagram story instead of just resharing what's already been you know thought through i guess right no i, I it took me a second to, to realize who you're talking about but i agree 100 percent. she is very good at you know before she takes the time to go and share something that somebody else has posted like actually digging into it and you know kind of fact checking more or less what it is that she's sharing and it's not to say that you have to do that for every single thing that you share on social media, but it gets to a point to where there's certain people that have zero interest in looking into the backstory of anything. It's like, it's an account they follow. It's some, they share some sort of general interest or general motive. And that's enough for them to just necessarily, or for them to share basically every single thing, every piece of content that this social media account, this company makes, it's just crazy. And you know, I, I think a lot of people now are especially more guilty of doing that. But I would just say to those people, like, if it's something that you truly think is worth consuming your, it's worth consuming your, you know, the, the space that you share and in your individual profile to maybe just take an extra few seconds and look into it and see what that argument or what the evidence is truly based in. And I think Will maybe had something else that he wanted to share. Yeah, I mean, I think it, in that sense, when you share your own actual thoughts, I'm a lot more apt to listen to what you're actually saying rather than just resharing something that's already been written. A hundred percent. And, you know, there's people that kind of get upset because you decide that this is something that I want to share in my social media. This is something that I support when in reality... Do you actually know what the arguments are based in? Not only that, and but that, that plays into the whole social media personality idea, right? That which is absurd, too. That people want to have, you know, they don't need to research these ideas because it fits in with who they are online. And the right? narrative that they're trying to portray. Exactly. So, I don't I don't know. It's, it's just crazy times that we're living in right now. And it's pretty sad that a group of us clowns can sit here and have a sort of conversation like this when the people that are elected to actually make important decisions in the lives for all of us can't even sit in a room together and have a civilized conversation about things dude i've thought about that a lot and i it's insane i I really think i don't know if you've been tuning into um i mean there were just a, a recent round of of tech subpoenas um in the the interviews in Congress with Mark Zuckerberg and the CEO of Microsoft and so forth. But even dating back to a few months ago, you might've seen a few highlights of just congressmen interviewing these people who, I mean, they basically, from the questions they're asking, don't understand how the internet works. They're asking how about how Facebook ads and their monetization and, and what data privacy. I mean, these are important questions 
um, and t- or I should say important topics, the questions they're asking are, you know, they have no grasp on this technology. And right. I think that the fact that the average, like the mean age in Congress is in the 60s kind of speaks to that, right? <laughs> We're a generation that's grown up with this technology and definitely understands it far better than a lot of these people who, you know, don't know how to take a picture on their phone and or try to take a frontward facing picture and they end up with five selfies. And it's, uh, it's sad to say because we love these people, right? These are our parents, our grandparents. But at a certain point, it's like to to police these private sectors, which are responsible for really the direction of our future in mm-hmm. many respects. Um, you need people who are competent enough and aware enough of what we're dealing with to, to ask those questions and to write those laws. So you personally would probably advise against Trump just being able to have free reign on his Twitter account. And saying whatever the fuck it is he wants to say. I mean, here's the thing. I'm a, <laughs> which I'm, is kind of entertaining. At I'm times. an interesting. I'm an interesting be bag because I my opinions I would say are kind of scattered all over the spectrum. Um, I'm like a free speech absolutist. I would absolutely d- defend. You know, I don't have a racist bone in my body. I don't have a homophobic bone in my body. But like, I want to live in a society where people can be assholes. I think that's very important. I think Amen. I don't want to live in a place where my police or my speech or opinions are policed. And, um, as much as I don't condone it, I think that, you know, let there be social implications, not legal implications for having those horrible opinions. That said, I think that if you're an elected official, you do have, you know, some amount of responsibility in terms of what you're sharing just because of the implications. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a, you know, I don't write policy. I definitely don't, have any sort of role in you know controlling what people post on twitter right but i think that there is some happy medium to be found where i mean hopefully hopefully it's not a problem you just elect people that are responsible with that and you don't have to worry about i mean we're at such a weird spot where it's like we're worrying about what people post online instead of just electing people who you don't have to worry about what they post right and it's i think it's a a wrong way to deal with a problem right don't get on twitter and and facebook for like Oh, you need to prevent this misinformation. Let's talk about our schools. Let's talk about electing competent people. Let's let's focus on you know these are such tertiary tertiary issues that have become the focal point when they're not going to solve the root problems at all. Right, and we're in a situation now where the election is not that far away, and we're stuck with two choices that, regardless of your political affiliation, we can both be garbage. Suck. Yep. Ass. And then you had Kanye trying to slide in there real quick. It's like, it's literally like we're living in a movie. Yeah, it is. I mean, I've never seen stronger evidence for the simulation argument, right? (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I guess it could be. But the the other crazy thing, too, that you think about is like, so even in just dealing with the virus, all these other countries around the world are in a position now where obviously, yes, you have to consider the fact that their population isn't what ours is. But they're all in a situation now where they're literally able to sit and kind of poke fun at us because of the way we're handling this. And as America, as a country that, you know, historically has kind of set some sort of standard for freedom and individual rights for the world to now be kind of the laughingstock of the way in which we handle a global pandemic, it's pretty fucking embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, we're no longer the city on the hill. We, I, I honestly think we're we are we're an empire in decline right we're looking at other superpowers around the world emerging larger economies than ours and um i think that we've through a lack of investing in 
what's important, right? Science, education, progress. Um, we've had a generation of people who have not had to deal with real adversity in their lives, right? Ever since World <laughs> War II, we've been, you know, you know, there was the Cold War, there was the Korean War, et cetera. Um, Vietnam obviously was horrible, but that there hasn't been any large-scale suffering. And that that has left us in a unique opportunity where now we're faced with being asked to make this personal sacrifice, right? Sacrifice your own social fun, your, your, right. your ideas as to how your 2020 summer might have looked for <laughs> the greater good. And we're dealing with generations of people that have never had to make that sacrifice before. And um, a lot of them are saying no. And it's pretty apparent, too. Mm-hmm. When I mean, you look at all the shit on social media as far as what people value. It's kind of absurd to think that, you know, the content that you're posting or the selfie that you're taking has much more value to you than trying to fucking figure out what the hell is going on with this virus. It's like yep. some people's priorities these days. And even like a lot of people our age, too, is like your priorities are not like if you live in another country where you had nowhere near as many freedoms and rights that we do, it's like you, you literally would not even be able to think the way that you're thinking because people try and control the things that you say, the things that you do, the way you act. So again, it kind of comes back to this whole idea of trying to find a balance in everything, Mm -hmm. right? And being open-minded to seeing a bunch of different ways of exploring different, you know, opinions and whether it be political or really anything, and we're getting so far away from that right now. And that's the complete opposite of what we need. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's like, it's also straying from, you brought up the founding fathers and, and those original people that sat down and said, what the fuck should America be? Right. I think we're straying far from their vision as well. And um, it's, it's interesting times, man. I think that we're reaching a real, a real fork in the road, right? Where we can either make a lot of progress, hopefully soon. Hopefully. I don't know. I don't know what the alternative is. I don't either, but hopefully we figure it out. And um, with that being said, we're kind of getting at a point now where we're an hour in. And I kind of wanted to ask you this earlier, but is there any, I kind of want to give you a chance to kind of bring up any sort of thing that you might want to touch upon or discuss to kind of close it out. We went a little longer than I planned, but that's all right. You, if you, is there, I'll, I'll leave the, the floor open to you if there's anything you want to touch upon or have to say. Take your time. Got nothing but time. Do you ever think about clouds? You know what? I have been a little bit more recently because I have nothing else to do with my time. I think the world would be a better place if a lot more people thought about clouds. I think that they're an excellent example of how reality can hit you in the face with something that's absolutely just a just an insanely abstract phenomenon, right? Super psychedelic, right? Suspended water up in the sky we see it on the day-to-day and we don't care we don't give any thought to the fact no one no one stops and thinks wait how is that working what's going on here you know and i think that a lot more people would think about reality and their place within it if they stopped and thought about the clouds i agree that is a a very interesting perspective and i think that there actually is a good amount of value in that especially with all the shit that we just talked about over the last hour as far as the craziness that's going on in our world, especially in the United States, but all over the world, is really for people to just take some time, whether it is looking at the clouds or just putting your fucking phone down mm-hmm. for that's a big one. A little bit of time and not being so 
not being so concerned with what's going on in social media, what's going on with everybody else around you and having some time to yourself to think about these things, to, to, to just be with yourself, to just kind of come up with a plan for your day and just kind of de-stress and be away from all this other crazy shit that's going on. I don't think enough people are taking the time to consider these kinds of things. And I think that there's a lot of value in doing so. And especially again, at a time like this where nobody has any idea of what things are going to be like a week from now, a month from now, even a year from now, go outside, fucking look at the clouds and be good to each other.